Welcome. Our Plexus Education Leadership Podcast guest today features a native of Cleveland, Ohio, and a passionate and dedicated superintendent who moved across the state to head up Indian Hills School in Cincinnati, Ohio. Superintendent Kirk Konecki is a student advocate, coach, and leader who is inspired by his students each and every day. He hosts a monthly student podcast called Edu Hero, featuring middle and high school students from Indian Hills schools, always seeking the best from himself and his team. He keeps an open mind and a listening ear by asking himself three questions every day. Are the students okay? Is my team okay and am I helping them? Can I live with the direction, pace we are moving and is our direction for the betterment of everyone? A wonderful leader and hockey fan. Welcome, everyone, to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. I'm David Linevers, Vice President of Plexus. And today we have Kirk Konecki, Superintendent of Indian Hill Schools in Cincinnati, Ohio, with us. He is a superintendent there, um, hockey fan. I know we're going to talk a lot about some different things, but uh, Kirk, thanks for joining us. Thanks, David. Appreciate being here. I know it's fun. I know we were chatting beforehand that the Ohio connection and Cleveland connection between us is pretty strong. I like that. Yeah, uh, nice to know that you've got some good roots here. Um, you know, I'm I'm in Cincy now, which I love, but I'm a Cleveland boy, so uh, got a lot of Ohio uh, energy. <laughs> Absolutely, Cleveland, where my parents grew up, cousins in Cincinnati as well, and like you said, they're still Browns fans all the way through. That's right, a lot of great <laughs> schools in that area too, and uh, I think you mentioned Rocky River and Mayfield yeah. and uh, Bedford. I spent a lot of time in that area growing up, even as far east as Kent, Ohio, and uh, some wonderful, wonderful schools in Ohio up there. Oh, that's great. You know, you mentioned being a hockey coach. You know, I always, I always love talking to superintendents who've been coaches too and have done other things because it does influence how you see things, doesn't it? With that kind of coaching mindset, it's not just teach, deliver. Coaching is a different way of motivation and getting people going, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, it, I've been fortunate to hold every position in a school district now um, and finally superintendent, right, for, for going on eight years now. But I mean, I started off, I've done janitor work in schools. I was mm -hmm. a, a club advisor. And of course, I was fortunate to be a coach, both um, at the high school and college level for a few years. And the experiences I've got from learning from other coaches and mentors, um, I just try to pay forward in everything I do. And I've had the good fortune through my career as a hockey player and then coach to be surrounded by some amazing, talented mentors and coaches from the United States and Canada. Oh, yeah. And I, I try to pick something from every one of them. And I learned so much from them. And now in my role, that's really what I get to do with adults. Um, and students to some degree on a daily basis is coach, train, and mentor. And I just try to take what I learned from them and put it to good use. You know, that does make a difference, especially drawing from other people's experience, drawing from their influence. I mean, you know, su as superintendents, people draw from you, but like drawing into yourself and being able to give that back is huge, isn't it? It's a part of the job. Yeah, one of the uh, coaches that I got a chance to work with as a young adult in Miami University of Ohio was a gentleman named Bob Motzko. And Bob Motzko is now the head hockey coach at the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. His team <laughs> just lost in a national championship game. But while, while we don't talk and I don't keep in touch with him all the time, as a young adult, 
he probably never knew how much I learned from him mm-hmm. watching him every day as an assistant coach, do his job, communicate with uh, players, uh, organize, you know, a university hockey team um, in his role at that time. And just so impressionable on me. And he's just one of many uh, people that I've had a chance to come in contact with in my life who they touch me in a different way and really taught me something yeah. that has resonated. And then when I see them having success, I know why they're successful um, because they were humble. They were hungry about what they were doing and they were really smart people. And I just try to, to take from them what I could. Uh, that's so smart because you're right. We don't often realize till later how much influence that person has on us or they don't even know. Right. I mean, I think about the people in my life who've influenced me and I've been like, you know, they really helped me see myself differently so that I can be the better person that you want to become. You know, yeah, and you've yeah. been, the, and you've the been teachers, there. Go ahead. The sorry. Teachers are, the teachers who are coaches are like that too. Right. In the, yeah. in the public schools, I've had the good fortune to work in six or seven different public schools. And while I, I tell everybody, I pinch myself every day to work at Indian Hill because we've got world-class faculty and staff and coaches. Yeah. I've, I've had the ability to be around some coaches in different sports other than hockey throughout my career as an administrator and athletic director. There are some football, basketball coaches, some volleyball coaches, uh, cross-country coaches. I've had the chance to get to know over the years who just are top class world uh, level leaders and and they've got these networks and reputations and I just try to soak in you know being around them and the messages they give it's it, they all have something special about how they communicate right um, and, and and how they communicate to everybody they interact with and it, it talks about a vision and a mission and um, just been really fortunate and here in Indian Hill we have some of those people too and um, I, I, I love spending time with those people that have that focus on, uh, what makes other people successful. That's true. That's true. It's a very different way of thinking versus how can I get successful? It's like, Developing how can I others build others what it's up. all about for those people? That's the yeah. thing I've learned over the years is if you can develop other leaders, then you're, you're a leader. That's, that's a good point. Leaders are not born overnight. It takes a long time to even figure out what kind of leader you want to be. And then it changes. You're like, oh, well, time to change again. That's what being a leader is, is, is changing that way. For sure. So you've been there eight years as a superintendent. But, you, but you, I'm sorry, you were at Graham Local Schools. For yeah, two. I was at Graham before. And now I'm, I'm finishing up my fourth year here at Indian Hill and starting year five this month. And um, it seems like time flies. <laughs> I, I know just enough now to be uh, dangerous, right? Uh, as a veteran superintendent. Um, but uh, really enjoying it. This is a -a one-of-a-kind school community. Mm. Um, I think regularly the perception outside of Indian Hill is that we have a a very strong public school district, not only in Ohio, but the nation. And I can tell you um, in the 28 years I've been in public schooling, I've never seen anything like it. And it's because the people in this community, uh, the kids, the parents, and the partners are so amazing and so vested in seeing things be positive and successful and high expectations all around. Um, it's an amazing place. You know, that makes a difference when people are that invested in the schools and, and where they are and they're not pulling each other apart, but they're coming together. It makes a huge, huge difference. I know it's just a lot in of my programming, a lot of programming, <laughs> a lot of opportunities, things that I've just, 
I would only dream of having the resources in other districts that we have here yeah. and um, the people resource is the key. And, and there are parents here who just will do anything for the schools. And, and I'm truly blessed to be able to work in a school community like this. I've been in communities where the resources were not there and where we had great people. Um, it was just a lot harder to do some things sometimes. And it's not just the money. It's that time and commitment and energy that they bring uh, to volunteering or to helping out with a teacher or a student yeah. and, you know, creating experiences together. The, this district really um, were able to do that. I love that. So you got a lot of parent champions out there too, don't you? Yeah. Every day. <laughs> you know, it's always a pleasure when people are like, I know already I mentioned that involved because it does, it becomes, it spins on itself. It becomes a positive force overall. People show up and they love it. And then they show up again because they love it and they keep showing up and they, I'm sure they see you at the events. And I know I was looking at your Twitter feed, looking at all the different things you had going on from your mock trial participating to, you know, I think one, you posted something, maybe it was a month ago of like eight different teams in their records for the year. And I was like, wow, just phenomenal, phenomenal achievements all around. Well, you know, and it's our whole staff that that puts time into um, telling the story. I think we have a philosophy here that if we don't tell our story, somebody else will. And yes. um, I mentioned to you offline, right? I've got a chief communications officer, Heather Higdon, that's probably the best in the country at what she does. But what we have done is we've built a team with our leadership team and our faculty where we celebrate children and we celebrate adults and what they're doing. And we try to flood the channels with positive and that's the only thing we use our social media for is flooding the channel with positives. Um, because as you know, out in the real world there, there's all sorts of things that aren't positive and people yep. that would rather go, go negative. So we stay above the line with all that. We, we never get political, uh, nor will we. And we really just want to tell the story of what are our students doing at school um, and how are they interacting with their faculty members to do this amazing learning and these programs that we have. And our parents many of whom are both working um, throughout the day. They love to have that look in and to see what's going on with their kids, even from afar or other programs that their child is not a part of. We've really gotten a lot of benefit out of that. And, you know, we meet face to face, we go have coffee talks. We, we do all those live events too. But what you see on social media is a intentional effort to share the positive. It makes a difference because people want to see it all the time. You want to see the good news. There's so many kids. And, you know, when you see the kids being successful, it makes you happy as a parent, you know, and, and I know as a superintendent and teachers too, it makes you really happy. But like as a parent of kids in school, you're like, I love to see that that's what they're showing. And that's what's happening <laughs> in most schools across the country every day. And yeah. again, some people are intentional and consistent with that messaging yeah. and other districts, right? They don't take that opportunity. Um, and I think that plays into the narrative about what people think about schools in certain parts of the country. Um, we, we would rather shape that message and um, have that joy out there because there's so many good things happening all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you already said that there's, there's always discussions about budget, about what's changing, what's coming, what's going and priorities. But if the priority is always the kids and the students, then you win every single time. And every yeah. discussion <clears throat> and every celebration. And I know you do something pretty unique um, of the superintendents I've had a chance to talk to 
I think one in North Carolina, Dr. Matthew Cheeseman does some podcasts where they talk about their district, but you do something, it's called your Ed, EduHero podcast, correct? Yeah, the EduHero podcast launched last fall, and we work with our students directly so that I can elevate their voice. And we want to give our community members a chance to hear directly from students. So I uh, host the program and really just try to throw out some questions to get the dialogue rolling, usually with two high school students. Um, and then we've also had middle school students monthly. And it, we've <laughs> got a lot of traction and we have a lot of parents that pay attention to what the kids are saying. And that's a really important thing because a lot of people, when they graduate from high school and they move on, rarely do they ever return to see what school's like. Yeah. And they have their own impressions of schooling. Uh, I think it's really important for adults in our society to hear what teenagers, adolescents, what their experience is today mm -hmm, and what's mm -hmm. relevant to them. And then the impact that they can have as young adults so that those adults will want to partner with them or hire them in the future. And I, I'm never, I never leave that podcast with anything but joy and pride. These students say amazing things and I learn something every time. I love that. Do, have you had one this week already? We had one last month with the um, uh, middle school students, and we'll be finishing up with some high school students again here next month. Um, okay. and usually we, we put those out once a month. And uh, it's just been really fun to interact with those students. And two at a time is never enough. Right. But I think it's enough to give our parents an impression of their experience and uh, gotten a lot of great feedback from, from even the kids involved and their peer network, um, because people just don't know what they don't know. And so That's when it true. comes from the mouth of a teenager, you know, it's pretty clear, pretty transparent, and usually pretty positive um, about the impact they can have on their world. I think that's a really good point. The fact that you're making the voices heard of the kids in a different way, them talking and sharing, and that, you know, hey, these are intelligent people who are in school thinking and, and wanting to make a difference. It's incredible how many kids really want to make a difference every single day. They really do. I, and you get, to, you get to see that. I think the, the expectations for students in public schools like Indian Hill, and I think most schools, is yeah. that students are going to earn a certain number of service learning kind of hours or credits to get under their belt before they graduate. Right. But, but most of these students are mission-driven anyways. Yeah. And when you can start to hear them talk specifically, not just about the courses they take or the activities they're involved in, but why they're involved in activities, you start to learn two things. One, there's more pressure on these students than there ever were in public schools before to perform and to have a full schedule that goes around the clock 24-7, which is a, a good thing and a bad thing. Right. And the second thing you learn is that these students are resilient and they're making it happen and being successful with that same schedule. And I'm always amazed here when the students tell me about the club that they created or started or the um, organization that they're already fundraising for giving to. Uh, it just makes me so proud. And I also know the time and effort that that takes on top of it's all true. the learning they're supposed to be doing. So these kids have a lot of pressure on them to perform, um, and they do some amazing things. I mean, that's so good to hear. I mean, like you said, you do your your interactions with the focus groups and talking and interact with teachers. But like when you just get the kids talking, it really changes everything. 
and just being around them too. And now, and they probably know you a little differently as well too, don't they? That's the most fun part of my day is getting to interact with students. As you know, I, I love my job and I love interacting with adults. Um, but the further you get away from the classroom, you need to get those opportunities whenever you can. And yes. I'm a recovering high school principal. So when I get to hang out with teenagers, that just makes my day. Um, you know, of course, when I'm stressed, I go find my primary school recess or kindergarten classroom. And I really love hanging out with them. But interacting with kids is the best part of the job always. I love that recovering high school principal. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, there's so much going on in the high schools. It's, it's unbelievable when I know with my own daughter's high school here and you just look at everything that's happening. Like there's so much good stuff. I mean, the athletics obviously is one thing, but the, the clubs and organizations and the graduation celebrations and the, you know, the drives and the fundraising and the community engagement is so, so much. Well, and you, you, you live and work in an area where there are some really high performing schools that you're aware of. And I, I would true. say this with all sincerity and all due respect to everybody else out there, my high school principal, Jeff Damadeo, I mean, he's the best in the business there <laughs> and he's the most busy person in the world. Right. And I, I don't think people truly understand what a high school principal does. Um, and it, it's changed a lot over the last 30 years. And I think a lot of people even have this notion today that the high school principal is really just supposed to be the manager of the operations and the human resources of the building and maybe do a little bit of instructional um, assessment and evaluation with their staff. Right. But, but the leadership expectations on a high school principal in a school community like Indian Hill, they would blow most people away. And, and the commitment level that Jeff has to being a leader and developing leadership skills in others and leading by example with programming um, from career pathways to social, emotional uh, learning to yeah. bringing his own team together and, and getting them to set goals and measuring those goals beyond what we might imagine. It's just, it can be an exhausting job and it can also be a really inspiring job. And he handles it so well in so many ways, um, but it's a comprehensive, complex job. We probably don't pay high school principals enough across the country uh, for what they do. And, and it's changed even in the last 10 years. It's evolved. Yeah. yeah. That's such a good point that you raise about the high school principal. Um, yesterday, I had the opportunity to do a podcast with Nick Carter. He's the president-elect of the Kentucky Association of School Administrators. And he, his dissertation was on the, the perceptions of principals towards superintendents and their leadership and support. And he talked about exactly what you talked about, how the job has changed so much as a principal. And yeah, my job, is, my job is to support my principals, right? Yeah. Like in, when you become a CEO or superintendent, I tell my team all the time, my job is to develop other leaders yeah. and, and help them develop the leadership that they already have and those skills and talents they want to have for their own career trajectory. And of course, to protect Indian Hill and have the best here. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So when I get to work with someone like Jeff Damadeo, who I know wants to be a great leader and is already demonstrating some great leadership, it just makes my job that much more interesting, you know? That's um, true. And then of course, if you think about that from my position with every leader on your team, mm -hmm. I've got a lot of opportunities to really um, have some influence on some great leaders and also learn together with them. 
do you guys have regular, obviously regular meetings with all the principals and your assistant soups and all that too, to talk about yeah, the we issues? Do two, we do two retreats a year. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike some districts, I think we pick different times. We do a retreat in May where we plan ahead for the next year um, with some of the chief kind of philosophical goals we have. Yeah. Um, kind of what we call leading with values and oh, then nice. we meet in August to kind of um, dive deep for a day together into practical matters and things we're going to take actions on. Um, and then we meet monthly throughout the year. I kind of get a touch point with all of my team once a month, um, which is great for maybe a working lunch or an hour here and there. And um, But you got to really take advantage of those times together to socialize your team, set some expectations and really focus on them a little bit, right? And their development. Um, and then you try to do that with other faculty and staff groups as you can. Uh, that's so true. I mean, you're juggling all the time. Are you guys doing any new building in your district this year or any kind of major projects going on? Yeah, we are um, in kind of rounded third base on a major multi-site um, construction project at Indian Hill. We passed a historic bond and levy in May of 2021 at a time when a lot of people were not going out for bond and levies due to the pandemic. And again, our community came through with a home run and we passed the levy and bond to build a new middle school, add a wing onto our elementary and renovate uh, parts of our primary school and then do some reno at our high school. So we've got four buildings that are affected. We're in uh, year three here, and uh, we hope to wrap all that up by January of 24. And again, very fortunate that our faculty and staff are so flexible and resilient, as well as our kids and families. But we're starting to get to see the buildings go up and come into shape now. Mm. And we're starting to see some finishes and some fixtures. And it's just a really exciting time. And next year, uh, people will be ready to have the construction end. Uh, <laughs> of uh, we'll spend a lot of time celebrating in 24, I'm sure. Yeah, that's true. You talk about it. You laid the you laid the groundwork to pass the bond, right? I mean, that alone is a huge task just to get that ready to go forward, right? To get the support to put it on there. And a few years on that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you have the vision to pass it and then to get everything else, you know, whatever environmental impact studies and architectural plans and reviews, right? And constant and then I mean just everything in between. I've learned a lot about um, construction, uh, operations, budgeting outside of a school, working with our vendor partners working with our project team. It's, it's a fascinating project. And of course, when you're working on multiple buildings at a time, uh, all those moving pieces with the budget really, um, they force my director of operations and my CFO to work in concert, not only with me, but with that team and our board to be good stewards of the public dollars and to make sure that we're coming in, of course, uh, hopefully under budget and on time which um, those are always the wishes and dreams, right? For everybody. <laughs> and I think our team has been able to do a pretty good job with that, with our project team. But what's behind the scenes, as you mentioned, is a lot of free work, a lot of community engagement, not just to do the election piece and get the bond and levy to pass, but all the planning. And in this community, maybe the difference is we wanted our students and staff to get and our, and our community members, our parents, to give input all along the way. Oh, so that's good. That engagement is really purposeful um, and ongoing so that we're always hearing what they want and need and focusing on priorities because ultimately they own the district, right? And they 
They That's need right. to get the best services that they can out of the organization. Uh, that's such a good point. And you talked about your communications person and um, was it Heather Higgins, right? Heather and, Higgins, yeah. And just, I'm sure working with that and you in concert to stay in touch with people, it it does make a massive difference in the in the school communities. And it's great to hear that that happens where you are too. And I, I just keep hearing you say like, I just love it. Like, you just like, I love this job. You can just tell, I love it. Well, I've got a great team around me. And um, as I said, I'm very fortunate. Heather is one part of a great cabinet level team. And I think a lot of school districts and school boards do not like to invest a lot of their money in communications and public relations. And what happens is they learn that that's a mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, Because ultimately, if you don't have a commitment to doing that from top to bottom, uh, or have that expectation out of your principals, even, Um, you miss opportunities to get your message across to your community and to make sure you're in tune with your community. Um, Our board of education understands that and has invested in that. And that helps me do my job. It helps our other leaders do their job. um, And we all work together to make sure that we're really articulating our vision and mission for our strategic plan the right way, because that plan is really the community's plan. That's true. And they need to get feedback and they need to be able to give us input. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't go about it that way in some districts. And I think it hurts. It hurts their efforts. I, I could just imagine. I could just hear you guys all talking like, OK, this is this is what we're doing. And when you're out there, and people start asking you questions. The, here's the information we talk about. Right. In a good way. And so it's consistent and it really bring keeps bringing people together, which you keep talking about. Yeah. Intentional, routine, consistent. We say that all the time around here. Like those are the ways we have to do things. Intentional, routine, consistent. And everybody on our team should be able to have the elevator speech or the escalator talk or whatever that you want to call it when it comes to sharing. But then also, you know, remembering we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. We need to be able to listen (laughs) more than we talk sometimes. Yeah. Really hear what our staff is saying, hear what kids are saying hear what the parents are saying. Um, And our partner organizations in this district are amazing. Like we've got one of the biggest PTOs in the world for Mm. a small district. You know, we serve 2,300 kids and about 1,400 families, but our PTO is probably bigger than most large urban districts um, in terms of volunteers and membership. So we get a lot of feedback and all that feedback we value, you know, and then it helps us do things together that can be really great for, for kids. That's true. You know, that's true. Some people don't like it, but you know, you don't get to, like you mentioned, you don't get to listen to everything you like all the time. Sometimes you have to seek to understand versus like, and And you you probably know better than anyone, eight years in this position, right? You know, (laughs) yeah, you you shouldn't become a superintendent or a head principal if you don't want to hear negative things, because that's just part of the job. And and that's okay. um, Because people can say negative things, but not be negative people. Right. Right. People can talk about ideas and not people. Um, And here, what we try to do is really keep the focus on solutions and working together and collaborating whenever there are issues so that we can all work together towards something positive. And I think the more proactive you are in communicating with people, the better about those issues, even when they aren't fun things. That's true. That's so true. Now, do, you, do you guys have any grants you, you have in place in the last couple of years or coming up that you guys are working towards to 
you know, enhanced services or things like that? What we've really done is focus through um, some of the giving from Ohio's Department of Education that came mm. out of um, the ESSER and ARP monies yeah. to strengthen our security. Part of our building project was to focus on safety and security as one of kind of the four pillar areas. And we are building new buildings with secure entry vestibules, mm. better sight lines, uh, hardened kind of physical barriers to the fronts of the buildings but also aesthetically pleasing, um, better cameras, better lighting, really upgrading the facility, not just with the new building, but with the existing renos so that there's one point of entry for every building. We know safety is front of mind for a lot of people. Yes. And we've been able to yes. bring in about $350,000 in grants in the past year for these projects, which we're really proud of which I don't think was something that the district explored as much in the past. Yeah. Um, we're also doing some of that with some of our strategic plan um, initiatives to kind of explore what funding is out there to support certain um, examples uh, or programs we may want to put in place. Um, but really happy with how that safety uh, work is coming along. I mean, it's huge. You're right. Parents and the community want to know schools are safe. And wh where's the first place we go to when something happens? We run to the school for shelter, mm -hmm. for help, for coordination. You know what I mean? For everything. Everybody goes to the school for everything. It's incredible. And we want people to feel welcome and safe. So yeah. I think, you know, some school districts take a, a different approach than we have. But through that community engagement, we really learned what our community could tolerate what they wanted to see. And then we incorporated that into the design so that everybody can feel good about it. And um, I think we're, we're going to be in a much better place than we were in terms of facilities. And uh, we always have to look at safety as a journey and a process, not a, like an event. Right. Um, and right. so we constantly try to learn and be vigilant as we go. But we're so fortunate to have people that want to support us, not just with the grants, but with the bond that, that led to these facilities. Yeah, I like what you said when you said what the community can tolerate, because it, hearing you say that, and you've already said this multiple times, it just shows you're listening. And and tolerating isn't a bad thing. It's just part of the dialogue. Because like you said, it's it's the community school. And it, it, it just shows a level of engagement you have. And it's like that school district is just so benefiting from what you're doing. Your school district, excuse me, not that school district, your school district. The Indian Hill. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's how we like to think about it, the hill. And um, no, I, we're lucky, right? And we're lucky because people want to have a dialogue at that level and interact. Yeah. Um, we have a, a safety health and wellness committee that just wrapped up last night, our last meeting of the year, where it's really just an open forum that our board has created for anybody to come and talk about the issues that matter. We don't have a real set agenda. We let the agenda be driven by parents and what they may want to focus on. And then we try to provide some resources and some framing around the discussion. Mm. Um, I, I really benefit from listening in those meetings and facilitating that dialogue because it helps us to stay in alignment with our community. Um, same thing goes for the DEI topics or STEM learning or yeah. whatever else you want to get into. And there are a lot of districts that don't put those um, platforms in place for their parents or their community members. And I think you miss a real opportunity. So here, we're fortunate that those things are out there. People have an opportunity to give us input. 
and we can kind of take the temperature as we go through a school year better. That helps me do my job. It helps me communicate to the board, yes. it helps the board of education members to understand um, priorities better. And it helps our, our students and staff ultimately to benefit um, in terms of programming and resources over time. Um, and I think it's just that approach is really important. I didn't create that approach. I have a team that approaches it that way. And, and that helps everything. It's true. The team, our team makes all that difference. Like you said, it, they're doing the work, they're engaged, they're giving, they're wanting to be successful in what they're doing to make a difference in the kids' lives. Yeah, my, um, pro- my primary school principal right now, Dr. Aaron Owens, she is running my district STEM advisory committee. So mm. I don't even run that committee. I just sit in and I interact with the people that we've, we've assembled on this you know, regional STEM advisory committee. But the work she's put into leading it makes me proud. Um, it gives her an opportunity to do the kind of work that I do and kind of model it for her for the future. Yeah. And it also allows her to engage community members beyond just her building. Um, and the benefit we get out of that is we're working with amazing partners from University of Cincinnati and Miami of Ohio and Xavier and Procter and Gamble and, you know, GE Aviation. And these people are telling <laughs> us what STEM careers should look like and what opportunities kids should have in schools. And then we go back and have these conversations with our faculty that become amazing for, you know, what should school look like? And uh, I give Aaron a lot of credit for being able to take on leadership with something like that. And it's also great experience on the ground for her. I mean, that's just awesome. You mentioned the partnerships, the connections, the university connections, the the, you know, the CTE connections. I mean, all of those things, which are a part of your whole purview with your team. And you're right. You have to leverage those people that love what they do that way and really are good at it. There's a uh, pupil services director we have in our district, Erica Leppert. And, you know, in talking with her over the years, what I've learned is that, you know, if we can get every member on our team, not only to play up to their talents mm-hmm. and their expertise, but we can also kind of cross train the next group and the other people and make sure that we're being inclusive for all of our students and staff. And one of the things I love is when I bring my cabinet together, we have five or six leaders in the room and they all are in different places in their life and they all have different jobs. And, you know, my message always as a CEO is embrace your role mm-hmm. and, and how does your role, if you embrace it, help the organization. And what, what Erica does is she keeps us all grounded and reminded that like, don't get siloed in your thinking, make sure that you're thinking about uh, services, right? Make sure that you're thinking about inclusion for everybody in the organization, and we've taken those dialogues and gone from just talking about a student activity to talking about whole programs, the human resources behind programs, how we're going to align funding for all kids. And it's just a great example of what Erica has brought to the team as one member. But because she embraces her role, right, she gets other people to understand how to embrace their role and then how to work together to make these goals come to life. And it's really cool to see when you're in my position, you know, you want to put the right people in the right place to do the right work. That's really the goal. That's true. And of course I inherited Erica here, but 
boy, thank gosh she's a part of our team. Because <laughs> what she brings to the rest of the team by embracing her role is so important for them to do their jobs well. I love that. Do you ever just lay in bed at night and just run through your team and be like, they're doing all of these things. And it's just amazing. You ever do that? I mean, I do that with just the people I know. I could imagine with your teams, you have to be doing that sometimes. You know, reflecting on your job is something that you want every leader to do. And I think probably what happens is a lot of leaders have imposter syndrome. So I spend a lot of time reflecting about our teammates and my own performance relative to helping them and right. our board. And I think constantly I ask myself three questions every day. I ask myself, are the kids okay at Indian Hill? Like if I can feel like at the end of the day, the kids are okay, then we're doing the right work. I ask myself if my teammates are okay. And if I, if I am personally and professionally helping them to get the most out of their, their role and career. Yeah. And the third thing I ask myself every day is, you know, can I live with the the direction or the pace that we're all moving together? Like to what degree should I be impacting that to go faster or slower for the betterment of everybody? And if I can answer those questions well, which makes me think about everybody, um, then I, I usually sleep decent at night. Um, <laughs> and, and they probably do the same thing, right? I think leaders yeah. are very reflective in that way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, that's cool. I like those questions because you're right. I mean, basics are the kids okay? Are my teammates okay? I'm not helping them get whatever they can out of what they need. And then can I live with the pace and direction we move for the betterment of everyone? Those are, you know, like you mentioned already, the, the repetition and the consistency and just being aware. It really helps you think outside the box all the time to go, I'm not going to be stuck in this. I have to think outside. I love that. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no time in a district like this really to probably slow down. So you almost have to um, take time to do activities where you yeah. reflect and get other people to slow down because otherwise people would kind of stay on that that hamster wheel thinking about what's next, which is always something we talk about here. Like what's next? What what's next? Um, and I, while that's a really good thing to have high expectations of performance and productivity, you also have to take care of your people. Um, and so we have really tried to have some mindfulness around that. That's good. Um, I want people to have, there is no such thing as work-life balance. It just doesn't exist. But I want people to think about how they use their time every week so that they can feel a sense of efficacy, um, satisfaction, and also recovery um, to be able to do this kind of high level of work. And I think if you don't reflect and ask those questions for yourself as a leader and also get your leadership team and your faculty to do that, you can really run into trouble. And employee engagement is an issue in our district. It's an, it's an issue in every industry across America right now. That's true. And it's lower than it's been in years. So the degree to which you can kind of focus in sometimes on less is more, um, let's see how people kind of feel and let's really gauge the pace at which we need to kind of bite off the work every day or every week. That's really important for a leadership team to, to reflect on. I, I like just finishing that way. Cause even, you know, you talk about listening and just listening to you talk. It, it reminds me of those things like, okay, am I slowing down? How am I reflecting? And am I at the pace that we need to be organizationally and even personally or family wise, right? All those things that filter out and, it's just been such a pleasure talking to you. And I know we could keep going, of course. There's always so much more to talk about, especially hockey. I mean, I'm a, 
I played lacrosse for 10 years. When I saw your lacrosse team, I was like, Ooh, I love that. I love lacrosse, you know? Yeah. The brain lacrosse team is doing pretty well this spring. And our, our girls just had a big win against a crosstown rival last night, but it's, it's playoff season with hockey now. And if you're not a Rangers fan, you should be. Um, and I would, I would encourage everybody to follow the New York Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring that home tonight to my Oilers fan. That'll be good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thanks for having me today with this, David. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome, Kirk. It's been a pleasure. What, what I appreciate your time and everything you're doing there. And it's just, I'm really happy that we get to share what you're doing in Indian Hill. Go Braves. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.